0: Welcome to episode 142 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voice guys say, I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster and broadcast business owner in the Twin Cities metro area. As always, this podcast is dedicated to sportscasting and sharing stories and ways to improve in the business by talking to sportscasters from all over the country and beyond. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice And share the podcast with your friends on your favorite social media platform. Covering high school sports in Minnesota often feels like a marathon from August to April. And then from April through probably Memorial Day in May is like a crazy sprint to the finish. And this year was definitely no exception. We started off with just abysmal weather for spring sports. Uh, We had a ton of rain, and I did a softball game exposed to the elements where it felt like 25 degrees out. Um, It was not great, but so many games got rained or snowed out that they started to run out of dates, and all these teams were very motivated to get their games in if they were at all playable, regardless of the temperature as long as it was dry enough out. With that, obviously, comes a lot of postponements and reschedulings. And from my point now, trying to staff these games, that becomes very, very difficult. Often we just don't do the rescheduled games because it's too hard to find enough announcers and camera people to do it in that situation. And on Tuesday, May 24th, I'm recording this on the 26th, uh, I was able to to go off the air for the final time, probably at least of this spring that I know of, unless something weird comes out of the woodwork in a freelance capacity. Yeah, I'm done for the summer. It'll be time to relax, recharge, work on the business a little bit, uh, visit friends and family that I haven't seen since Thanksgiving, and uh, get back to putting out this podcast a little bit more regularly. I really love broadcasting, I do, that's why I do this podcast, but anybody who's in this knows that doing 100 plus games in a school year, I think I've covered 12 different sports, numerous different teams, and all the while running and growing this little small business that I have called Game Time Media, I am very much looking forward to the next couple weeks uh, to to take it a little easy and maybe work four or five hours a day instead of 10 to 13 it'll be good and i'm really looking forward to the summer but i know by the time we get around to the fall again i'm just going to be chomping at the bit to get back on the mic and continue to do it because that's just the way the cycle goes for me speaking of reconnecting with friends one of my best broadcasting industry friends is john little and he will be our guest for this episode uh, we were just talking about, before we go on air, we're going to have to come up with like a, a five-time club t-shirt or special blazer or can koozie, more likely, uh, for uh, when somebody gets to five times on the show. But right now we are talking with John Little, and this is his third time on the show. We had him way back on episode 22. Uh, he was a guest host. Uh, where he interviewed George Dunham on episode 127, and now here as we are into the 140s, more specifically episode 142, we have John Little again, and he has a a different title than he did back then, as he's now the news anchor at KRLD, a heritage station in the Dallas Fort Worth metro, and does. ESPN plus ESPN three university of North Texas radio uh you know he even made an appearance on the Ocho so a lot of stuff going on John thanks so much for coming on
1: oh I am blessed to be here thank you so much for asking and it's great to talk to you again you're right a lot of stuff has changed from the first time we Recorded, which you know, probably almost six years ago, something like that. So, yeah,
0: it's uh, hang it's awesome. on, I can look it up exactly. Five years ago, nine twenty nine sixteen, and what was particularly interesting to me at that time is that you were in the process of doing what I was starting to think about doing, where you made the decision to just uh, leave a good, stable, small college job with benefits, full-time salary, everything, and just leave Weatherford, Oklahoma, to go to Dallas-Fort Worth and pursue a freelance career until you could figure everything out. And at that time, you were figuring it out, but you were doing a lot of little stuff. Shortly after that podcast episode, you ended up as the women's basketball announcer for the University of North Texas, your alma mater. And that is where I want to start with this one, because... You got that. You had your foot in the door at your alma mater, and we actually had some pretty interesting conversations when you chose to leave that uh, to go to KRLD. And I know that uh, you kind of agonized over that for a while, because for those who Hmm. don't know, we are actually probably closer friends than most of the people I have on this show, so I know a little bit more. Take us back to that point where you had made the leap, you had gotten the D1 job you had hoped for for your entire career, and then you made the decision to bail on that to get the full-time job at KRLD, which ended up being phenomenal. It's led to all these freelance uh, positions we were talking about. But go back to that decision and how difficult it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a really difficult decision because – they came to me and said, uh, "We'd like to make you a full-time news anchor." I was full-time at the station, but in a different role. I was doing, you know, traffic, uh, traffic reports and stuff, which I enjoyed. But they saw me as a news anchor. But in order for me to be an afternoon news anchor, they wanted me to give up the evening stuff, uh, doing games for the most part, and certainly doing games out of town, which with the university of North Texas, when you travel with, uh, any team, you're, you're out of town, you're using vacation days, you're having, you know, days where you're unpaid basically just to go out and do a game in like Norfolk, Virginia or something like that. You take a full vacation day from work in order to do that. So you can travel. And like you said, my dream, I wanted to, be a play-by-play voice of a university. And I thought that this may be the way to do that, but it was one of those things where God has a different plan and you start to step into that and you're like, okay, this this is just too good to pass up. Somebody is entrusting a full-time afternoon drive role in a top five market to you and saying, look, this is yours. And it's not that I couldn't do sports somewhere on the side you know my Saturdays and Sundays were free at that point it was just they were asking me to give up the weekday stuff and I did I agonized long and hard about it um, especially considering that the main reason I was back in DFW is because of that women's basketball position I secured it as kind of a part-time role along with another part-time gig at the ticket in Dallas in order to move back and that's all I had Really lined up, a couple little things here or there, but that's pretty much it. And so you feel indebted to the person that you brought you back, which was Hank Dickinson at the time at the University of North Texas. And you're like, "Am I, am I betraying him in a way by doing this?" But you, you look at your life as a whole and you go, "No, I mean, this is this is just a big deal. This is too big to pass up. And maybe it's not exactly what I see for myself or what I saw for myself, but somebody else sees it in me." And somebody else sees it in me that's been in this news industry for a long time. And you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And it has worked out incredibly well. Now, here I am three and a half years later as a news anchor. I have gone from not having a single clue, Logan, how to do news to it's more second nature to me now. I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, um, Dan Rather. You know, I'm not Ron Burgundy either. And it has been uh, (laughs) such a fun journey. Are you breaking my brick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love Lamp as well. So that's, um, uh, it's a great, it's a great uh, person to bring up. But the bottom line is, I've been able to do this for three and a half years full time. And I'm such a better broadcaster, not only news wise, but also sports wise uh, because of it. So it's been, Uh, Just an unbelievable blessing in my life that I just wasn't expecting at all. When you
0: made that decision, just about everybody does some version of this, where you you make a pros and cons list to help you decide what the right thing to do. What were the pros and cons on your list? And what were the ones that kind of tilted the scales to the decision you eventually made?
1: I don't know if i made necessarily a pros and cons list because I think it was one of those things where certain pros can be like more heavily weighted. Maybe you've got five cons, but this pro is a really big pro, right? But I I mean, I did weigh the situation. I talked it over with my then wife. Um, I talked it over with great sportscasters like yourself and just friends in the business who had been there a while. And before I made the decision, that's one of the things I did is I, I I was kind of leaning a certain way, but I wanted to talk through it with people and be like, all right, let's let's really think on this and, you know, and not make an emotional decision. And so I think that was one of the biggest things. I remember having a sit down conversation, um, a couple of them with good friends from college as well that are still in the broadcasting industry and just thinking about, I know this is this is different, but I mean, they're entrusting this with me. Am I stupid? not to take this. I I think I'm stupid not to take this. And I think that's what it just came down to is it was such a big position and could lead to other things and it could lead to more name recognition. And it has, and it's not that I was doing it necessarily for the ego stroke. It's just, you've got to, at some point realize that this could be better for your career than you realize. And it's been even better for my sports career than I realized it was going to be which is which is crazy. I thought I was giving up sports in a way when I took this job and it has been almost completely the opposite and so I, I know I'm not answering your question quite as well as I need to, but pros and cons I think the biggest pro is just just knowing the legendary station, what kind of position it was, that sort of thing. The con was, yeah I'm giving up North Texas women's basketball. But honestly, other than that, I wasn't giving up a lot. I know that seems like a huge thing. It was a huge thing to me. It felt like a huge thing to me emotionally. It's my alma mater, all that sort of thing. But when you look at the the full time job versus the part time job, and it, you know, it, it just became one of those things where the pros way outweighed the cons, both in new uh, in number and in weight as well. And it um, it it was a hard decision to come to. It was. But at the same time, it was an obvious decision.
0: So how long did it take after that for the sports opportunities that I mentioned in the intro to start coming up? Because now you're doing tons of stuff, probably better paying stuff and (laughs) stuff with a little bit more prestige. Uh, When did those start showing
1: up? Great question. Um, You know, talk about unintended blessings. I was kind of just like scribbling down the timeline, here's what happened. I was paired with a wonderful woman named Susie Solis, who is still at our station. She's doing mornings now. Um, Amanda Guerra was the morning uh, anchor on the station uh, with uh, a couple other gentlemen. And Amanda decided to go to, she had the opportunity to go to CBS uh, 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 Sportsnet, and she's still there. And she anchors with Chris Hassel. And uh, Amanda getting back into sports and deciding to go do sports and move out to Fort Lauderdale, that was a big blow for me. I thought at the time, because they took Susie away from me and split us up after 11 months and put her in the mornings. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You, and you know, I just, I, I I know that people from KRLB will hear this at some point. And so I just want to be honest about it. And I think that everybody kind of sees it now, but that it's, that it's worked out, but, but this is what happened. And I had very frank conversations with my boss at the time. Like uh, you, you said that you wanted to build something here between me and Susie and you're not doing that. I'm, I'm frustrated. And you know, I, I gave up the sports in the evening in order for us to try to build a a team. And now Amanda leaves and you, you rip Susie away from me and you put her in the mornings and now what, what am I going to do? I felt hurt by that a little bit. Um, I don't know if I had a right to be or not, but I just frankly felt a little bit hurt. And I didn't like try to let it affect my job performance, but I did step back and go, okay, what do I really want to do? And so obviously when somebody, when there's an opening, there was an opening in the afternoon, then they've got to figure out what they want to do with that. Who are they going to pair with me? Well, during that process, I was like, listen, why don't you just move me to the midday then I can do some more sports. I'm still doing news. I enjoy news. It's not that I don't like news. It's just put me in the midday that frees up my evenings. And I, I didn't know if they would go for it. I'm sure there were, you know, uh, I, I didn't hear all the behind the scenes uh, sessions uh, talking about, you know, whether that was the right decision for the radio station or not. But eventually they decided, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And they moved me to the middays which I requested, um, which I know is a little bit unorthodox. When you think about, you know, what you want at a major market, you'd rather be in the afternoon drive, right. Or in the morning drive. But I said, no, like, put me in the middays And then, you know, I'll be out of here at four or five o'clock and then I can go do games and it has worked out. So that was the first step. And then, the, then things just started to flow. Like it made it where I could do more UNT stuff then I think the biggest break though, and there's no doubt about this, the biggest break was in the fall of 2019. Uh, the Southland Conference had a need for a broadcaster to do a college football game in, at, at Central Arkansas. And they used me once and then they used me again. And then they liked me. And it was kind of like the rest is history and stuff just started falling. And all these things that I'd been working on the Southland conference I'd been working on getting on at SMU um, when Tarleton went B1 I started to work on that all these things started to fall into place and I'm like oh my gosh I'm busier than ever is what you know that's where we are right now obviously there was a pandemic in the meantime which <laughs> it was kind of a, a stumbling block as far as my actual number of games I did um, but it's just amazing how this has all moved into place and it's like the KRLD name that got me credibility I think with the Southland Conference doing the Southland games got me credibility um it would be doing more Southland stuff and I've had other opportunities because of the Southland um you've had uh, SMU that's something I worked on for like 2 years even before they could use me because the American was going to all ESPN plus and I knew that and for 2 years I started to talk with that gentleman and and lay the groundwork for that eventual job and um Tarleton the same way. I knew the decision maker there because Tarleton was my first D2 gig back in the day and it was still somebody that it was somebody I worked with then when I knew they were going to D1 and they eventually needed an ESPN Plus guy. I was the first one in their email box. And so all these things just kind of fell into place and it makes you go wow. You, you know, you think you're working so hard and things aren't working out but if you just keep um, just trying to make the right decision and trying to do the right thing, and, and being kind and reaching out to the right people. It, eventually, it, it it works out, and uh, that's what I'm getting a chance to live right now, and I'm I, I'm amazed at it. Absolutely amazed.
0: When ESPN did a gag day where they changed, <laughs> I'm assuming it was ESPN two. They actually changed it to the Ocho for a day, and you got yep. to do the shuffleboard uh, competition broadcast. Tell me what that was like. How serious do you take it? Obviously, if you're on the actual ESPN platform, you want it to be good. But part of that is that it really just has to be more fun than good, right?
1: Well, it it does, but you don't get hired most of the time. I'm sure there are some broadcasts where you get hired by actual ESPN. I'm getting hired by basically the Shuffleboard Federation. OK, and so the Shuffleboard Federation gets a spots on the Ocho and then they've got to produce their show. They put together this competition and they look for announcers. Well, I, they either found me. Uh, they, they probably found me through STAA. So thank you so much, John Telesnick. <laughs> I appreciate that, uh, that I was one of the broadcasters in the Dallas area. And they saw that I had you know done some TV work and things like that. They reached out to me. Hey, uh, do you want to maybe do the shuffleboard? I had no idea what shuffleboard was, right? Um, or, the, you know, table shuffleboard, how it worked. Um, but I said, sure, I'll dive into it. And I, I did my best to, to study and to, to treat it seriously. Um, I, uh, there are a couple highlights in there where, man, I'm just, you know, I'm laying it on thick or it kind of sounds like I'm laying it on thick, but I'm, I can see that the players are taking it seriously. So why wouldn't I take it seriously? It's a big moment. Um, you know, is, is this players trying to uh, get, uh, get these, um, off the board or, or whatever the case might be, or she's going for a crazy eight, which is where you hang a one off the, off the corner of the board. And so it's just, Absolutely, I I definitely took it seriously as seriously as I possibly could. We had so much fun doing that broadcast, and obviously, I knew it was going to be on ESPN too. Basically, so I wanted to do the best job I could. So, um, yeah, heck yeah, I took it seriously, but at the same time, you do know uh, what it's for and stuff like that. But it was it's also an opportunity to promote shuffleboard, and that's very important to the Shuffleboard Federation. So, um, I think I made a good impression with them. So, you know, maybe down the line, I'll be out in Reno doing some of their events or something (laughs) like that when they're back on ESPN, the Ocho. How do you do shuffleboard?
0: Let's just start there. Like, what's the cadence? What's the flow? How? What's your spotting board look like?
1: (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, it was TV, right? And I've got my analyst who is one of the best players in table shuffleboard. And so I'm trying to set up the moment. And then I shut up. It's kind of like almost like golf in a way, I guess, or bowling, maybe you set up the moment and then you let the moment happen. You can react once you, you know, once it's left the player's hand and it's moving down the board, but you want to shut up during the actual lining up of the shot and things like that, or you're really whispering. And so the cadence is, Trying to figure out, okay, how many points do they have? How many points do they need? What does this shot mean? How are they doing on this trip down the board? Um, and so you're trying to keep people apprised of that and have some natural flow of conversation between you and your analyst. And you know, obviously, rely on them to be the um, rely on them to to be the expert there, and and just try to have a good flow and try not to overstep your bounds and, you know, create shuffleboard terms that aren't appropriate just because you don't know what you're talking about. You just <laughs> try to stay in your lane uh, and and do the best job you can. And I, you know, it wasn't perfect, but I, I thought I did a, a fairly nice job for it being the, the first time I'd ever seen uh, really a table shuffleboard competition in person.
0: I find that interesting that you said that, you know, you didn't want to just make up terminology I've found sometimes that the stuff that when I'm just looking for some way to describe something that I don't know what it's called, obviously you don't want to do it too often, but it ends up being something creative or something that I actually end up liking. And I know I've talked like to other people who do that, too. Funny though
1: too. Not um. even
0: necessarily funny, but uh, just like if you don't know the actual terminology, your brain has to be more creative in the way that it describes it.
1: Yeah, no 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 doubt. I'm and I'm sure I did that a handful of times. Yeah, unintentionally, honestly, because you know, you're kind of comparing it to other sports that you know, right? Or comparing it to other moments in life that just make more sense to you rather than them trying to, you know, throw the weight you know, down the, the you know, down the board. You know, you're just trying to figure out, okay if I was an actual play-by-play announcer that knew what he was talking about for Shuffleboard, how would I put this? Because I watched some Shuffleboard to get an idea of how the game goes, but there's not really any Shuffleboard play-by-play out there. (laughs) I mean, as far as like at a network level or anything like that, it's people, it's normally the other players kind of just reacting to stuff. And so it was a little bit substandard from what you want to put out there for ESPN. So, yeah, I mean, I did have to kind of make up my own style and stuff like that because there just wasn't a style out there. There, it doesn't, it, there's a reason it's on the Ojo it's because it <laughs> doesn't get broadcast normally. It's like Frisbee uh, golf or uh, whatever else uh, gets on the Ocho, dog jumping, you know, there's not a Kevin Harlan for, frisbee golf there's not uh you know some joe buck uh for uh, table shuffleboard in order to pattern your cadence after so maybe i'm uh actually the uh whatever you want to say maybe i'm the adam amine of table shuffleboard because i'm, I'm just setting the standard <laughs> i was gonna say normally
0: play-by-play for shuffleboard is some drunk guy with six beers deep just talking
1: trash <laughs> right exactly um have you played it, shuffleboard it, it, since that broadcast? Uh great question. Um, I think I yeah uh, a little bit, a little bit, and now I actually know how to play one. And there are several different games you can play, which I didn't realize going into it. But now I know how to play crazy eights, which is <laughs> you know, which is fun. You can you know show your friends how to play it. You know, uh, and uh, I I didn't know before, but now I know. I'm not any good at it. But uh, at least I know what the objective is, because before I had no idea what I was doing. I was just picking up, uh, you know, the the weights and kind of tossing them down there and being like, "Uh, I guess that's three points. I don't I don't know what I just did, but uh, all right. Now you now you do it on the other side. So now I've at least got a good idea of uh, of crazy eights.
0: One of the things that you've got to do, I know you've got to do a couple NBA G League games, and you're also the public address guy uh, for the WNBA Dallas Wings. Uh, How did those come about? And we'll start with kind of the G League play-by-play, because that would be some fun, very high-level basketball to do play-by-play for. But the public address is a little bit different. So we'll we'll talk about that later, but talk about the G League first.
1: Okay, so the G League, G League's very fun. And it was one of those things where uh, Jared Sandler, it was the first year I came out here. Uh, Jared Sandler, who does pre and post for the Texas Rangers and also um, you know is their third play-by-play person for the Rangers. Well, he that's his regular gig, is to do the Texas Legends games. Whenever he goes off to training camp, normally in March, or, um, yeah, sorry, spring training, excuse me, normally in March, um, it, he needs a fill-in person. Well, he was looking for a fill-in person that year. Uh, Ted Emmerich knew me and Ted, uh, you know, told Jared, hey, this is a good guy. You should uh, give him a shot. And I got a shot and I got to do a bunch of games for a couple of years, uh, whenever Jared was out of pocket, um, I haven't been able to do them in a couple of years. Cause I just, it seems like I've always got something else going on. So they've been using somebody else, which is great, uh, fantastic for other guys to get an opportunity, but those games are a lot of fun. And so, um, you've got some, some high level basketball and it's, it, you know, th- there's a different style from, you know, college to the NBA or even the G league, it's so much more wide open in the 24 second shot clock and all that sort of thing. Uh, it definitely shows whether or not you could handle, uh, I don't know, doing uh, an NBA game or an NBA style game. So that was a lot of fun to get to do those. Hopefully I'll get to do more down the line. Uh, so that's kind of the, the G league thing, but the G league is a blast, a lot of fun. And you watch the skill of these guys and you're like, how are they not in the league? You're telling me there are better players than these guys when you're broadcasting their games and you're looking at them up close and you're like, goodness gracious, how, how are these guys not in the league, especially when they're scoring 30, 35 points a game? But it, uh, it, it's just amazing. It, it's amazing how many levels of basketball, great basketball that there are, and that goes for um, on, on the men's side and on the women's side as well
0: and you've been a big advocate for women's basketball for a long time and i know you have a couple projects you do the podcast as we mentioned uh you do you used to do the her hoops podcast i don't think you still do it i guess you can correct me if i'm
1: wrong No, that's right. Yeah. We, um, I, I, I did that for several years. It was a fantastic, uh, I'm so proud of that show. That was got to talk to some awesome people. And so it's been taken over by some, uh, great people with our hoop stats and it's still going strong, but yeah, I'm proud of a lot of those interviews shows we did for sure.
0: But that ultimately led to doing the public address for the, the Dallas wings and public address is something that we've never really talked about on this show. Um, it's something that I think there's quite a bit of crossover between play-by-play people and public address people. Um, To you, like how difficult, if you do play-by-play, can you just step into public address pretty easily? How difficult is, or not difficult, I guess, is that transition?
1: I think you can, as long as you have a knowledge of what, a PA person is supposed to be. And I'm not a perfect PA announcer. I'm definitely a pl- better play-by-play person than I am a uh, a PA announcer, but you need to make sure that you have knowledge. Uh, you know, I know there are little variations you can put on things, but you need to be professional enough to realize the difference between play-by-play and PA. And sometimes, you know, Disney movies uh, don't understand that the PA person does not actually do play-by-play and so you know hopefully as a play-by-play person you understand the difference you've been to enough games you know when you're supposed to talk when you're not supposed to talk what you're supposed to say whether it be basketball or baseball I've done a lot of baseball PA as well for the uh, AA team um, out here the Frisco Rough Riders and so hopefully um, you've been able to catch wind of that and you know I, I will say that yeah, you should be able to do it. At the same time, you know, just because you're a good play-by-play person doesn't necessarily make you the best PA person in the world. And I'm still working on, you know, my PA cadence. Not I know what I want to say. I don't always think it sounds like I want it to sound because I'm trying to find that spot in my voice that's so much different than when I get excited for a uh doing play-by-play like my kids came to a game uh the other day and and my oldest goes it just it just sounds weird you talking like that I am just so used to you doing play-by-play and being on tv and things like that it just sounds weird to hear your voice in this context basically is what she was saying so I you know I hope it doesn't um, sound poor to anybody, uh, because, uh, these are important games. These are the best women's basketball players in the world. And I am lucky as heck to get to do these games. Um, but at the same time, it, it definitely is a little bit outside my comfort zone and, um, I'm really passionate about it. I just know that the, my giftedness and what I've worked on with play by play over the years, it, it does cross over my knowledge crosses over, but actually the, you know, the, the place I, the, I put my speaking in my voice and, and where I, how I emphasize things, it's completely different. And right now, um, I feel like I'm trying to still, uh, gain my voice and, and, and attain my voice as a, uh, as a PA person, which is, you know, kind of exciting, right. To, you know, at 39, have something new to try to get really good at. I think I'll get so much better as the season goes on. Uh, this is my first season with the Wings, but I-, I think I'll get so much better as the season goes on. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely different. There's you know, Don't let anybody tell you any different. It's a, it's a different deal, and you need to have that in your mind as you go into it.
0: One of my uh, fill-in announcers for my high school network here in the Twin Cities is actually the, like, I think he's done this year, but for the last several years has been the p a voice of the Timberwolves, and I always joked with him. I don't know why I let you on my network because you make me sound like a bum, but uh, mm. Sean Parker is his name really good guy. I think he's moved by now, but uh it was a, it's always an art form that I've enjoyed and the few times I've dabbled in it I've felt like I was really bad at it, so I don't do it very often. so what are the keys? in your mind to doing
1: a good job as a PA guy. You've got to know that less is more. And let's say PA guy or gal, right? We gotta we gotta broaden this. <laughs> Fair PA enough. PA person. <laughs> PA human. <laughs> but um uh, PA human. Thank you. Um uh, yeah, you've gotta know that less is more and you've got to know that every time you open your mouth, you got to know exactly where you're going. Because on the play-by-play side, I can open my mouth and not know exactly where I'm going and stumble into it and still make it sound okay. But on the PA side, they expect, you know, we're just kind of trained, right, to assume perfection there. You do need to be a really good cold reader. Not that you don't want to look over your script first but you need to be a really good cold reader. And I've gotten a lot better, of course, through my news experience over the last three and a half years. Um, That's helped me a ton. And I feel really comfortable cold reading. Um, What else? Uh, You know, you want to make sure that you know, I I, I think this is something that I'm trying to develop. You want to know where your voice sounds its best for PA. Because it's, it's different than on the TV. And so, you know, I, some moments need to be really loud. But I, my voice is not like your friends to where it's so deep that I can get loud deep. You know, like this. I can't, this does not sound very good. Arike Gumbuale. That sounds, <clears throat> that makes me. I mean, you know, just doing that makes my voice hurt. <laughs> and so I've got to figure out, okay, where is my voice best? Even to say these individual players' names. Um, so, and so I, I can go a little bit higher with her name, but still keep that same intensity and still sound like an announcer. Um you know, and, and you got to know if, do you, do you do the gravelly voice thing? a wale Do you like to do that? Do you prefer to go high? agun uh, I'm a singer, so I've got that ability to, you know, take it high if I want to for somebody's name. And so um, I, I just think that, you know, you can try certain things for certain games, but you've got to know um, where you're going. With your voice at a certain time. Otherwise, I mean, you're liable to crack. Um, So know what you're going to say, be a good cold reader and know your voice. I think those are some of the biggest factors for a PA human to be really successful. Oh, and you need to be uh, knowledgeable about the game as well, especially on the basketball side. And you need to know the, the little nuances. Like, um, I made the mistake, uh, because there's a college to pro difference of, uh, team fouls, an offensive foul, not a team foul on the pro side. It is a team foul on the college side. And so my first game, I made that mistake of counting that an offensive foul and team fouls. And now I know. Um, so, you know, know the, know the rules, even the tiny ones. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: One of the things that I find fascinating about you is beyond just the radio job and all the play-by-play, you're also a phenomenal singer, and you do the national anthem in God Bless America for Mavericks games, for Rangers games, you know, in front of full stadiums. What's that like? Let's just kind of start with a real broad brush before we go into a few
1: specifics. It is so fun. Um... I can't tell you the adrenaline rush I get when I do it. It's beyond anything else that I get to do any of my ways to express myself. Those moments are absolutely exhilarating. Somebody was asking me my joy list the other day and I put it on my joy list. And then I had to stop and say, no, it's not a joy list. It's like, it's like an exhilaration list. It is to the point at which you are on almost another planet emotionally. And so I don't like. know if it's like that for every single person that sings the anthem or sings in general, but for me, that's what it's like. And I don't really get nervous before I sing the anthem. That's the most common question I get. There are a bunch of there X number of thousand people out there. Do you get nervous? No, I don't really get nervous. I've done it enough where I know, most of the time I'm gonna nail it we do have one um, <laughs> we'll one get there I didn't nail a few years back um, but, I, I, but I I know a, enough times where as long as I'm set up for success I'm I'm it's gonna be fine it's gonna sound good um, what I think I've done a good job of lately is doing a better job connecting with the audience and feeling the energy in a space and that helps me know even that night, how to sing the anthem just a little bit differently. I got to sing it for uh, the Mavs game five against the jazz. And that was so fun by far the best experience I've ever had. Again, walking out, not nervous, but there's so much energy in the building. It was an eight thirty start. So everybody's in their seat. They're a couple of beers in. They cannot wait for the game to tip. And you are the only thing between them and watching Luka Doncic. And so they are so excited for the national anthem. And the way I sing it, it's a very excited style. It's, I I don't labor it. I don't, you know, it doesn't take me two minutes to sing. It takes me like a minute 13, which is fairly short. I, I really barrel through it, but that night i I, I could tell that they're just into it. And so I have this little flourish I do. Oh, the land of the free. Well, that night I, I really held or a long time and I waited for them to start cheering. And um, and I, it's it's just so wonderful because you know that they're in the palm of your hand. And then I held out free as well. And you get them to start cheering too. And it's just so fun because, um, it's just, it's just this great moment. And you're like, yes, we're experiencing this, experiencing this together. Um, I, and it, it was so fun to walk out there because, you know, there are all these celebs. Like, uh, I knew that Tony, uh, that Troy Aikman, excuse me, was there. And so I looked over and looked at Troy and I looked to kind of to his right. And I was like, oh, that's, that looks like somebody important. Who is that? Oh, that's Kyler Murray. I didn't even notice this until later. Patrick Mahomes was even closer to me uh, and Nastia Lukens over there as well. It was, it was nuts. It was just, it, it's just so fun. And the, the biggest honor and the last time I did it, I walked off the floor and whoever this, I don't know who this high roller was at courtside, but he was like, Oh my gosh, man, that's the best um, anthem this year. And he pulls out this wad of hundred dollar bills. Like you would only see uh, in yeah, like Breaking Bad or something like that, like, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of honeys and he slaps one in my hand. Like he gives me a hundred dollar handshake for a great national anthem. And I still have that. I'm not, I'm not ever getting rid of that. Now I did donate a hundred dollars to my favorite charity, but the actual hundred dollar bill, I'm not getting rid of that. It was just the most awesome experience. So that's a little bit of what it's like to sing the national anthem.
0: So you talked about some of the positive experiences, and you you alluded to this. So I'm not going to feel bad talking about it. But oh, you yeah, had so. one time where you made it to the very end, and yeah, then kind of just god lost your America. voice, and it yeah. and it went viral across the internet to the point where i was like, oh my god, this is like a viral thing for someone I actually know. I <laughs> just seen. Oh, I know.
1: And, um, and like John Boy picked it up and stuff, and he's breaking it down. Um, it was. Yeah, it it was one of those moments, and I I'm not going to tell the whole story. I've got a blog post about it somewhere. I, I'm not going to tell the whole story in that. I don't want to make a bunch of excuses, and I'm and I wouldn't. The bottom line is, I started too high. I didn't have that note. It was the end of a hot night. It was tired. I needed water. Blah 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 blah. I and I cracked at the end. I didn't have the power to finish it, and it was really funny. It just was, and I knew as soon as it happened. I, I laughed. I remember laughing on the field to myself, like, Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Cause I know it's going, I know it's being televised at the time. Right. Um, God bless America always is at the Rangers games. And, um, and then the phone blows up, you know, um, the thing that was great about that was the number of people, number of friends that came to my defense immediately. And just that's when you know that you've got great friends that they're in your corner, you know, and and they're they're stepping out there and saying, "Man, I, I mean, it, you know, it happens, but I love you, and you're 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 great. We know this, and and that was so nice. I I, I just I, I felt so much love from that, and I think another growing thing is. Um, You know, and I was talking about this with another broadcaster that, you know, you and I both admire and I won't name drop, but he was just, um, anyway, it's just been a big encouragement for me. And he said, I thought the way you handled that and the aftermath and kind of making fun of yourself in a way, but then, you know, acknowledging the moment that it happened, not trying to, you know, brush it off, but just acknowledging it and getting through it and, and telling your story behind it. I thought that showed a lot and that meant a lot to me. And, and so, um, I'd like to think that I got better from that bad moment.
0: And it's one of those things where if you do anything enough times, eventually you have a bad day when you're doing anything live. Right. But mm-hmm. obviously it did not preclude you from continuing to get the gigs, which, uh, obviously is nice, but, Was the next time you did it? Were you nervous that time?
1: Great question. I'm trying to remember. I think I was a little bit more nervous than normal, not for the national anthem, but for God bless America, just because I knew that that's the one that I uh, hit the bad note on. (laughs) So yeah, a a little bit. And um, because it was a harrowing experience to a point and it's, you know, getting caught with your pants down it's that that's that um that dream that we all have that we're running around our school hallways naked and we have no clothes to put on and so yeah it was nerve-wracking the next time I went out there and but you know I got through it and that's part of life getting through those hard moments and that's what we try to teach our kids right is it might be scary but do it anyway
0: So we've talked about a lot of the success that you've had since you kind of made the move, but, and professionally, everything's kind of been great for you, but um, you've also kind of on the personal side have had to go through a, a divorce. I think it was about a year ago. And I guess in the first episode, we talked a lot about, you know, how to, I think I had just gotten engaged and I, we talked a lot about how to maintain a family life and how to uh, make things work, and ultimately it didn't work for you. Um, what led to that that was industry involved, and maybe how would you mm-hmm. have treated your career different? We don't want to air your dirty laundry, but do you feel like the schedule and the the way that a sports broadcasting job contributed to that?
1: Mm. Um, Logan, it's a great question and a fair question. I think that, you know, anytime you've got a breakup, you know, there are some, there's some, I don't know. what do you want to call it? Blame or role on both sides. And I'll own my side for sure. You know, I, um, you know, then there were other more massive things that led to it other than the industry. But I think the industry is hard on marriages. I think the industry is hard on relationships. I think that being gone that many nights was very difficult on my marriage. And I think it was difficult, not just because of the time lost. I, I think other guys and gals do a better job than I did, not making up for that time loss, but just being more present at times when I, when they are there or I, um, I was really overweight, like extremely overweight, like 280, 275, 280. I was exhausted all the time when I was living in Weatherford. I was so tired. I was working so much, you know, you're doing high school games and then you're doing these college games and they're small college. And so you're driving. And I mean, you know, the gig, we we all know the gig, right. Um, but on top of that, I mean, my health was poor. And I think that led to being overly exhausted and just having no energy for my wife, for my kids, not only no energy, but no, ability to deal with my stress, I got, um, I'm sure I was dealing with depression in there as well. And I got depressed and that caused me to act out in ways that I shouldn't have, you know, get mad, um, short tempered, all those sort of things that I think from my side, you know, that those were certainly roles and parts of, me getting divorced or leading my wife to want to get divorced. And now when the question comes, would you do it any differently? I mean, yeah, knowing what I know now, I would do it differently. I'm just not sure how I would have done it differently. Honestly, in the breakdown of what went wrong in the marriage, it's not something that i thought about a lot. Man, I should have only been gone X number of nights and maybe, I would have been a better person and maybe this wouldn't have happened. I I think it's more that I didn't deal well enough with the stress and I didn't deal well enough with my health and didn't say, okay, if, if you can't get these things in order, if you can't get your stress house in order, if you can't get your health house in order, then you can't be gallivanting around western oklahoma doing all these games you just can't it, it it's not sustainable for you and it's not sustainable for the marriage and i think that um it, that would be a huge lesson learned for younger broadcaster john to say you've got to make sure i, I know that there are a lot of people that can keep a even busier schedule than i did and, and be very mentally balanced and physically balanced and things like that and i look up to them i just didn't do that very well and i think that that was a that was a huge factor in it and it can be a pitfall for for those that want to have a relationship
0: and it's definitely one of the things not necessarily because of what happened to you i've had my own difficulties but realizing some of the sacrifices that we make and really asking why like what are we Mm. doing this for and (laughs) Like the fact that I that extra hour of prep for a high school game after I already know I have everything just about everything that I'm going to need to do a really good job. Does that cost benefit end up? Who does that benefit? And I've done a lot of kind of soul searching on that, and I I, I don't know. I I look back and I I know I've definitely made some very real and intentional changes uh, on that regard in the last year.
1: I, I think that brings us to a great point. And this is kind of fast forwarding ahead, but I think this is a good place to go is that as much as I'd love to be Jim Nance, I don't think I'm going to be Jim Nance. And I'm really, really blessed and excited for where I am. And I think there's a possibility of going a little bit further. But it's no longer my sole goal to climb that ladder of sports broadcasting success. And if you even would have asked me three years ago, you would have gotten a different answer. Two years ago, just before my wife said, "Um, can you please leave? (laughs) Um, You would have gotten a different answer. And there is no question that coming to the the come to jesus of the most important things in your life coming to an end causes you to look at things differently do i still love doing games absolutely do i like doing a high volume of games you bet do i live and die over whether or not that's a good tape or this is a good take or you know um I, i get something absolutely right or You know, I didn't get to prepare as much as I wanted to for this broadcast. I no longer do because there's just a different perspective. I think there was a time in my life for that when I'm 25 with no kids. Absolutely. Pour as much as you want to into it. You know, spend the four hours preparing for that, you know, that high school boys basketball game. Go for it. Um, You know, because we've all got to learn to do that. The fact is I'm a dad of three wonderful girls. And it's not worth it to me to take all that time away from them, you know, in order to know just a little bit more about this, you know, young woman's junior high stats. It just, I can get by without it. And so I think that point is taken and there's definitely been a different perspective. And obviously. I've reached a certain point and there's a gratitude that I'm at this point, like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And it didn't take a lot of striving to get there. What it took is being good to people. What it took is being, is caring about the craft and respecting it and being good to people. That's why I am where I am. It's not because I overly stressed and overly prepared for um, some random game on a Tuesday night. And so I think at that point it's, taken. And I, I think I, I respect it a lot, especially where I am right now.
0: Do you think if you could go back in time and tell, I don't know, let's just say 26-year-old you, you know what? Climbing this ladder isn't all that important. The the things that are going to make you happy, do you think you could have done things different? Or do you think you needed age and experience to get there? Because I, I go back on that. I'm like, I wonder, should I have known this before that, you know, this is it would be cool to do some of these things, but that it's really more of an ego stroke than anything else, as opposed to doing what I'm doing now. I I don't know if I would have listened. Do you think you would have?
1: I, I think the part that I wish I could tell 26 year old John about is. Truly, truly. Okay, do your best work. That's good. Put your heart into it. That's fine. Don't take your worth over whether or not you're in the top 20 for Georgia (laughs) 7. Don't decide whether or not you're a good broadcaster based on whether somebody in, I I don't know, Wichita, Kansas gives your demo a listen to when they're filling that position. Don't do it. You don't know what's down the line. Just do your best work. And it doesn't mean you can't try to get jobs. It doesn't mean you can't try to meet people and network, whatever you want to call it. But don't derive how you feel about your work and worth from somebody else and fight tooth and nail to protect that. And just enjoy what you're doing, and do it because you love it, and do it because you want to be the best at it you possibly can. That's what I tell him.
0: That seems like a phenomenal philosophy, and a great time to change the topic. How's that <laughs> for a segue? <laughs> there you go. Um, one That's of the why things you
1: are what you are. That's yeah. why you're the top rated. Yeah, that's why Podcast I in your field. I'm
0: the only one left. I think, I think there's a couple <laughs> new ones. I shouldn't say that, but, and a couple of them are very good. And uh, I'm hoping to talk to some of them soon, but um, you've kind of changed. You work full time in radio, but as a sports guy, you've basically moved from radio play by play to a TV play by play guy. Uh, how has that transition gone?
1: That's another thing I would tell young John is, Hey, get used to this. I wish we were all known that ESPN plus was coming down the pike. Right. Um You know, it, it's hard to see that, that far in advance, but um, you know, I had almost a disdain for TV broadcasters. Not that I didn't uh, respect the best ones. Um, But for like a guy like me, I would have watched a guy like me who does TV and be like, man, he is generic, and <laughs> he just—he uh, just sounds like um, he, he's just—he's uh, just trying not to offend anybody, um, and but at the same time, it is so enjoyable. I didn't realize how enjoyable the TV side would be, because we, we grow up on the radio side, and it's great to do radio because you get to learn how to paint the picture, all the things that. Radio is wonderful for. It's such a necessary uh, thing to do in our industry, and I, I still uh, would love every young broadcaster to get a chance to do it. At the same time, I didn't realize how much how enjoyable um the TV side was be would be. Now it's different, but I don't feel nearly as spent at the end of a TV broadcast as I did at the end of a radio broadcast. I, I can be much, so much more laid back. I can. it's it's just such a different art form you you know is i'm certainly not the guy to you know to go to for this you've had so many better voices on for this but i just enjoy watching the monitor and and trying to match what i'm saying with the monitor and and really trying to truly be a tv person um and and not get caught up on the radio side and i feel like um there is always something new to learn on this TV side and it is so enjoyable to me. I didn't know how enjoyable it would be and and I'm so grateful for it as well because yeah, it does pay a little bit better generally. And, um, also another great part of it is I don't have to travel nearly as much. I I mean, there are just so many upsides that I just didn't realize were there. And, And so, um, but then you know some of the lingo and the um, you know just the ability to stay on top of the action. I wouldn't have that if it weren't for the radio side. So radio was very necessary. but but TV is not evil. That's what I would tell you know John uh, of 10 years ago. TV is not evil and it is an art form in and of itself. It may sound like the play by play person isn't doing much, but in reality, Um, you know, they're trying to measure their words and, and, and come up with the perfect ones, um, you know, to match what you're seeing, not too much, not too little. And then obviously the incredible art form of working with your analyst and drawing as much out of them as possible, which always trying to work on always trying to pick up, okay, how did, how did Jim Nance draw that out of uh, Tony Romo? Well, that's not, that's not hard. That's probably about it. Yeah. Example. Um, but uh, you know, how did uh, you know, how do these guys work together? How does Adam Amin set his guy up? Um, you know, how does Ryan Rucco uh, set up Rebecca Lobo? How, how do they do those things and just trying to get better at that? That is uh, those are the different art forms that we just don't have on the radio side. And it's so enjoyable to, work in and out of the um minutiae of that
0: that's interesting i was just thinking about it the other day my twitter handle is still at radio underscore logan i haven't actually been on a radio station since 2018 i think it was in june so uh, i did state softball on the radio and then i quit that radio station and started my own business and haven't actually been on the radio since so um It's interesting how video really has become the, to say the gateway opportunity now.
1: Oh, absolutely. It has. Absolutely. It has. And um, I'm, I'm so thankful for it. I'm jealous of the kids who've come up in this. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, when I say I'm jealous, I, I got perspective, you know, I, I am what I am and that's great. It's just, you know, if I would have come along, you know, through the ESPN plus time, um, you know, how many more reps would I have gotten at UNT, especially if you come along at the at the exact right time. And so um, I, I just, I just love it. I do marvel at it. There is no question that it's, you know, the future, the future is here. You know, I, I want to acknowledge I'm, I'm not behind the times here. I understand, you know, where we are. Um, but it, it really is interesting to think about and especially think about radio people. And this is me raising my hand as high as I can and how slow I was to recognize that the shift. And I just I, I'm glad I leaned into it when I finally figured it out. I just wish I would have leaned into it maybe one or yeah maybe like two years earlier or gotten down here to DFW a little bit earlier. Or, you know, maybe even been on the forefront of being like, no, uh, in pushing video, pushing video, pushing video. And um, but, but, hey, ESPN Plus has changed the game and the other streaming opportunities as well. I don't want to leave those out, but um, it has changed the game and it represents an incredibly unique opportunity. And I'm so excited for the kids that are coming up now.
0: So one of the things you told me to ask about before we went on the air was your George Bush story. And I know I saw. It looked like him standing behind you singing on your social media feed. Uh, Is that what it was? What is
1: your George Bush story? Oh, my gosh. I keep running into George W. Bush, and I love it. So, (laughs) you know, I do SMU basketball games, and he has been a fan of SMU men's basketball for a long time now. Comes to a lot of games. Obviously, he didn't get to do that as much during the pandemic, but this year he got to come do a ton of games. So uh, one back in November or December, I was able to meet him and take a picture with him and he would be there at random games. Um, and, uh, it it was just, it was really incredible. And, you know, we'd have little knowing nods and stuff like that. Well, in January there was, and I guess it was late February is what or early February I should say is what it was. The, um, uh, the ATP did a tennis event at the SMU tennis center and, I had some connections. I didn't ask to sing it, but they asked me. Somebody asked me to sing the national anthem. I didn't realize that President Bush was going to be there, but somebody mentioned to me, all right, well, um, you know, after uh, you go out there, President Bush will uh, come out right behind you and he'll be uh, tossing the ceremonial coin. I was like, whoa, I get to sing in front of the uh, former president. That's so awesome. Um, So I go out there. I do my thing. I sing. I didn't even notice that he was right behind me, but I come off and the first, thing I hear is, Hey man, that was great job. I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. President. Hey, well, where'd you learn to sing like that? I said, uh, you know, and I, he just has this voice that makes you want to get folksy. Right. And my mom was actually there, um, in the stands. And so I just immediately thought of my mom, well, Mr. President, my mama taught me everything I know. Well, I bet she did. Well, great job. It was just, (laughs) um, it was such a cute moment um and i'm just like blown away and i love telling that story and i've got a couple of friends of course who are um not necessarily as republican even as uh george bush is i know george bush is a little bit more toward the middle but um uh, but one of them said you know no matter your political leanings when a former president of the free world tells you you hot fire in the name of the country you know that's cool as s <laughs> so, <laughs> i love that um and then you know obviously i'm still doing basketball games for smu and he has not yet connected that the same guy that does the basketball games the play-by-play for basketball games that he sits like six feet from at uh, basketball games this is the same guy that did the national anthem so the next time i saw him i i made sure to make the connection for him i said uh <laughs> Yeah, when I saw him again, I leaned over, shook his hand. I said, Mr. President, I just want to th- say thanks so much for what you said about me singing the national anthem at the tennis deal a few weeks back. And he's like, oh, that was you. Oh, that was you. That's right. Let me tell you, that was a hell of a job. And, uh, and so now I'm hoping it's made the connection that... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll be his personal national anthem singer. You never know. It sounded like he really liked me to me. So it means a lot to me. And it's just one of those things where you're like, you gotta be, you gotta pinch yourself. It's this real life that you get to be a little bit chummy, kind of casually fun with the former president of the United States, sing the national anthem in front of him, meet him before games, shake his hand and just, and who are you? Who who the heck am I, Logan Anderson, that I get to do these things? It is – I'm the luckiest broadcaster on the face of the earth.
0: Is it hard to, like, get up to, like, ask – to, like, say that to him? Does he have – do former presidents still have secret service people oh, around he them? Or he definitely has secret service
1: people around him. Like, you always know that he's coming because, you know, there there's the secret service milling about and stuff like that, kind of clearing the area, making sure – that there's no uh, funny business going on but I will say this from what I've heard in the past is in in the last few years he's become a lot more approachable to where the secret service lets people in to take pictures with him and so he's always taking pictures before the game and stuff like that so he's just he's been very accessible and um I tell you I I still haven't gotten to meet Laura though Laura's always there but you know everybody's always wanting to take a picture with former president bush and I want to go to former first lady bush and be like you're my hero so i love laura uh great west texas girl so i um so i'm still looking to get that uh that picture with laura uh, but but it, it is kind of interesting how in his older age i think he's 75 he's become even more accessible not that he wasn't approachable before i think you know you can see what no matter what you think about him you can see he's very approachable he's you know kind of a guy you always hear people say he's a guy you'd want to get a beer with and and certainly um he kind of reflects that in in his element which uh whenever he's out at smu games or something like that so
0: one of the things that i've made an effort to ask people when they come on this show now is what about sports broadcasting specifically makes you happy. What about it and mm-hmm. what – you mentioned your joy list earlier. So you, my guess is you yeah. put some thought to this.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, what makes me happy? I think I, I really do still enjoy getting in there and, and prepping for a game, and I think I do a pretty good job preparing. But I love – um getting a good story or a good quote from a coach or something like that and being able to weave it into the broadcast. That's kind of more like a, like a love list. And when it just feels like it fits like a glove that makes you feel really, really good, especially on the TV side. But I I mean, there's no question. It's, it's opportunities like, um, you know, getting to do a championship game. Like I did got to the Southland conference women's championship game um, on CBS sports network. And, you know, this, team u i w uh, they had to win four games in four days to win the tournament. they won on a buzzer beater a three pointer otherwise they would have lost in the first round if they went through they you know they were big underdogs all the way through the tournament and they go through and they win the thing in overtime. I get to have these enormous calls and i mean just just for me just being a part of those moments as, as somebody who had absolutely like not even zero athletic talent, less than zero athletic talent, finding a way to still contribute in the sports field. um, That's what gives me the most joy about sports casting is just, just the ability to be there and the ability to experience the moment and just be a small part of it. It makes me incredibly grateful. And the other thing that I get a lot of joy out of right now is just talking and shop, and especially with younger broadcasters. You know, somebody that's coming up that's uh, 23, 24, 25, they've got a lot of potential, but they don't have that perspective yet that you have. And it's not so much that you're lecturing them on do's and don'ts. It's, you are trying to help them see some of the grander things and kind of like the questions you asked earlier, what are the things that you wish you could tell 26 year old John? And it's, it's some of those things, you know, that it's about, you know, doing good work and, you know, doing your best and being great to people and, you know, letting the chips fall where they may. Because you know you can't tie your happiness to whether or not ESPN calls you and you get a contract. You just can't. And so, um, talking about little things like that, talking about family considerations, uh, uh, talking about uh, talking about ways to go about getting jobs and, and just the the strategy of pursuing opportunities that just fires me up because I've been there and I've thought about it nonstop. And I just feel like I've got a little bit of wisdom and I can take a little bit of the pressure off of, you know, I'll call them kids, people that are 15 years younger than me. And I really enjoy those conversations because they they fill me up as much as they help the, the guys and girls I'm talking to. So the, those are the aspects I love, whether it be on the air or off one on the air, one off the air, that that uh, give me joy about sports casting.
0: All right, so the one thing I kind of wanted to finish up on, and you were talking about little things and how a lot of times, you know, they matter and you don't always realize it. And I think in the first episode, we touched around this a little bit. The first time we met in Salisbury, North Carolina, for the <laughs> National Sports Media Association banquet, and they had a seminar where they did critiques and I had brought in like a sports talk segment cuz I think John Chelesnick said it's going to be way less crowded in there it's way more likely that they'll hear your stuff and right. I'm like okay so I did that and I got in and I just absolutely got shredded to the point where you know it's kind of anonymous but most people really do know who it is. you can figure it out who it is pretty easily but uh they were just killing me to the point where there was a few people, like, legitimately laughing. And, uh, like, it was very one of those confidence-shaking moments. And when, uh, afterwards, we went to the crappiest Days in in Salisbury. <laughs> so the, we were the two people who were too poor at that point to uh, stay at the nice hotel. And we ate it's Papa John's pizza. I, and, yeah, I, I, you know,
1: <laughs> frugal. Frugal, we, that's what we were.
0: Uh, I, I'm going to say I was poor as hell, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, we split a pizza. I remember it was from Papa John's and, uh, yes. no, not a sponsor. And we talked <laughs> I mean, pretty late into the night, just about sports casting and, and, uh, kind of developed a friendship. And that really meant a lot to me. And especially at that time where it's like, you know what? I got to pick myself up and we'll be good. Screw these people who are laughing at me and, uh. They probably
1: listen to this podcast now and don't even remember who I am. So (laughs) (laughs) no friends are what it's all about, man. And whenever I think about you, I think about that night in Salisbury as well, splitting a Papa John's. It was probably pepperoni and sausage or something like that. And uh, when I think of you, I think of special garlic sauce. So I I agree completely. It's great to have friends in this industry. And I will will never forget how we first commiserated over a uh, nice Papa John's pizza.
0: All right, well, that's going to wrap things up here on the Say the Dibs Score podcast. Once again, we're visiting with John Little. He is uh, the news host at KRLD, the legendary news station in Dallas-Fort Worth. He does about 17,000 different freelance uh, jobs around the DFW area. And, John, thanks so much for coming on.
1: No, uh, can't thank you enough for having me back. It was just Great to catch up, Logan.
0: Thanks for listening to the Say the Damn Score podcast. Remember to subscribe to sh- Remember to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of Say the Damn com, or just by clicking the follow or subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on. Also, please follow me on your favorite social media platform: Radio underscore Logan on Twitter. We also love. Apple Podcast Reviews, emails, or any other kind of honest feedback that tells us we're doing a good job or doing a bad job or doing a okay job. Whatever you happen to say, uh, we love the honest feedback. It makes the show better. Finally, please reach out to the guests of the show if you have any questions for them. Uh, they appreciate hearing from you and like to know that their stories are hitting their mark and helping people. So, as always... Thanks for listening. I'm Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.